hello everyone and welcome to the latest podcast for Nordea on your mind uh, in which we'll be focusing on our recent publication M&A buying high or low uh, if you would like to access the full publication please contact your Nordea client, client executive uh, for details my name is Martin O'Rourke I am chief editor at Nordea Markets Today we have Nordea On Your Mind authors Johan Trokme and Victor Sjornebeck with us to take us through some of the key findings and talking points that arise out of the report. Johan is Director Thematics Nordea Research and Victor is Associate in Thematics Research. Uh, welcome Johan. Thank you very much. Welcome Victor. Thank you very much Martin. It's a pleasure to have you both here. So as we've said, uh, mergers and acquisitions is the subject of this month's podcast and as a barometer for confidence, or we might even say perhaps uh, overconfidence, there are not many better than M&A activity. As any quick glance at correlations over the last 15 years or so, straddling the great financial crisis will immediately show. In 2019, we've already seen some significant deals globally uh, with energy particularly prominent as witnessed by Chevron's near $50 billion deal for Anadarko this month and the $70 billion acquisition by Saudi Aramco of Saudi Basic Industries in March. Even the recent high-profile failures like the proposed Sainsbury-Asda merger in the UK retail sector and Deutsche Bank's uh, inability to push forward on a deal for Commerzbank indicate that M&A is in rude health uh, after falling off a cliff in 2008-09. It's been a somewhat similar tale in the Nordics, albeit with uh, its own particular narrative. So, Johan, if you could provide an outline of this month's uh, Nordea on your mind study and the data used to create that study um, within a Nordic context, of course, uh, I think this would be a great place to start. Absolutely, and I, I agree. Uh, and, and just as you described, Martin, this, this is a topic which was fun for us to approach in the sense that it's a kind of headline-grabbing topic. It's the sort of thing we read about in, in, in the media when big deals, transactions are announced. Um, and what we wanted was to have a look at this area, um, see what data is available, and do quite a bit of work in just trying to form a picture of how has it developed in the past 10-15 years? Where are we today and, and, and what has changed? So what we look at in the report is the level of M&A activity in Europe and in the Nordics all the way back to 2005. We look at the M&A intensity in Europe and the Nordics um, and we look at who the players are, who buy companies, who sell the companies and, and to whom. And we also look a bit about at valuations, how they have evolved over time and, and, and how much they, they vary. And the data, it, it's good that you mentioned that because this is one of those Nordea on your mind topics where the data is, well, as always, but particularly in this case, crucial. Uh, and that is because it's not a very transparent market. Uh, so what we have done is to uh, use uh, an abundance of raw data from merger market. And then we have spent a huge effort, uh, and Victor has been instrumental in this, in, in, in processing this data and analyzing this data to make some sense of it. And just to give you an idea, last year in Europe, there were over 8,000 deals made. So 8,000 is a big number, right? And in the Nordics, uh, there were, there were 1,200 deals. Um, so, so that too, uh, a pretty big number. And there are many small deals included in that. Um, and actually looking at this data, even with the data we have available from Merger Market, it's only about 40% of the transactions made in any given year for which there is actual hard data. What was the price of what was bought, etc. And therefore, we have needed to put a huge effort into 
structuring the data to make sure that we can actually interpret it and draw conclusions from it and and one piece of good news is that although the number of deals made is very very large um, the the deals which involve a public company the public company being bought by another company they that those deals would always have data for how much was paid and and and, and what the valuation was and therefore we can rely on that for drawing conclusions about the overall total for all those companies uh, transacted and and that's not a huge share of the total number of deals made. Uh, in last year in Europe, it was about 13% of all the deals made, which involved public companies. And in, in the Nordics, it was only 4%. But the biggest deals made are those involving public companies. And therefore, looking at the total value of M&A activity, we can draw pretty strong conclusions about the overall development uh, from those deals for, for which we have data. Okay. Um, if, we, if we look at... Uh more of the nitty-gritty now, then how has Nordic and European M&A activity developed in recent years? And uh, Victor, if I could put that to you, please. Uh, so if we start with the kind of overall picture and, and look at the number of transactions and the total deal value that we have seen in, in Europe and in the Nordics, uh, we must first uh, kind of start by noting the, that there's a quite, uh, quite amount of volatility uh, in these metrics. So if we, for example, look at uh, the total number of transactions over the years, uh, we see that, uh, for example, during the financial crisis, uh, the European number of transactions uh, decreased by 41% uh, and has since uh, risen by around 110%. Uh, but if we add the fact that we have uh, volatility in the market multiples as well, and instead look at the total yearly deal value, so, so the euro value uh, of uh, all m activity, uh, we instead find uh, that from the peak before the financial crisis, uh, the total deal value decreased by uh, as much as 71% in Europe. Um, and if we dig a bit deeper and look into Europe versus uh, the Nordics, uh, we see that we have all-time highs in terms of the number of transactions in both regions, uh, but that the European region is still around 20% 20 20 from its peak in total deal value. Uh, but if we look at the Nordics instead, we find that uh, the Nordics have started to reach back to these uh, pre-crisis highs in, in total uh, deal value uh, of around 80 to 90 billion euros or so. Uh, and in terms of number of transactions, we find that there are about 1,200 per year in uh, the Nordic region, of course, depending on how you define these transactions. Uh, and we have around uh, 8,200 in, in the European region. Does, a, does an M&A process in the Nordics uh, differ markedly from uh, the rest of Europe? There are some differences. And uh, if we look at it uh, from the point of view of M&A intensity, and, and by that we mean what is the total deal value of companies bought and sold compared with the size of the market, so the, the market capitalization of, of the stock exchange. Uh, that ratio is lower in the Nordics than it is in Europe. It's about 5%, uh, and, and the deal value as a share of the market cap is about 6% in Europe. And that, in turn, is a bit lower than what we have in the US and the UK, which would be among the most advanced markets in the world for mergers and acquisitions. Uh, and in the US and the UK, it would be about between 6 and 7%, so a bit higher still. Uh, that is interesting, uh, and it's also interesting uh, in the context of the Nordic region's 
equity market cap as a share of the value of the entire European equity market has increased quite significantly. It was 7% of total European market cap in 2006, and last year, 2018, it had actually risen to 11%. So the, the Nordic market as a chunk of Europe is increasing, but the level of M&A intensity in the Nordics is lower in, in the, than in Europe. And, and the, there is, of course, an interesting why question here. How come there is a lower intensity in the Nordic region? There can be several reasons for it, but one that I would offer would be that the ownership concentration is a bit higher in the Nordic equity markets than is the case in Europe, and, and certainly compared with the UK or the US. We have these ownership spheres, holding companies, investment companies, which have influential or even controlling stakes in many listed, listed companies, and that means that it is more difficult to build a majority or, or, or to try to make a bid and hope to take a company out of uh, the public market in, in the Nordic region than is the case uh, elsewhere. Are there any significant uh, regulatory differences? I'm kind of thinking back in terms, I, I mentioned the Sainsbury Asda merger in the UK and that was blocked by the uh, by the uh, regulator. What, what's, what's the situation like in the Nordics in comparison? Uh, not really in the sense that uh, three out of, of, of or all, all four Nordic countries are EU members uh, and, and, and that means that they would fall under the same antitrust uh, regulations as, as any other EU member countries, of course. Um, and quite the opposite, I would argue, that when it comes to corporate governance and when it comes to shareholder rights protection, uh, the Nordic region is perceived by investors, by, by players in this field, as being one with a pretty good degree of transparency and, 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 and good uh, shareholder rights uh, protection uh, from a legal point of view. So that would not be an explanation for why the intensity would be lower. Okay. Okay. Now, if we, if we, if we look more specifically at the, the the transactions and the flow in and out of uh, Europe and the Nordics. What does this look like, Victor? Paint me a picture of uh, how that how that's coming out. So what we've done here is to to look at the transaction flow in terms of cross-border M&A. So if we define it from the, the Nordic perspective, we have looked at transactions including a Nordic corporate as either the seller or the buyer, uh, but not both. So uh, in the case of the selling side, we see um, the Nordic, uh, the Nordic seller, and a non-Nordic counterpart as the buyer, and we have done this for both uh, Europe and uh, and the Nordics, and find uh, that the Nordics and Europe are both uh, net sellers of corporates, and to quite a substantial degree. Uh, so, if you look at the total sale of Nordic companies to non-Nordic counterparts, we find that there are around 60% more uh, in total deal value uh, than we do have on the, on the buy side, so where the Nordic uh, corporate is the buyer. And if, uh, if we look at the European uh, market, we find instead this number to be around 45%, uh, so 45% higher deal value in, in sales rather than, than purchases. Why, why do you think that is? If I chip in, I, I think it has to do with there being... Uh, I shouldn't say an abundance, but a good supply of high quality and available businesses to buy in the Nordic region. A again, with an environment of uh, a good legal backdrop um, and, 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 and good level of transparency and, and the history and tradition of pretty strong governance, it, it's a good hunting ground for players within M&A. Um, and, and, and that would explain why there are targets available which are attracting interest internationally. And if we continue and look at the domicile of these corporates that are buying uh, the Nordic uh, the Nordic corporates, 
uh, we find that China, UK and the US uh, constitute around 60% of this total sales value uh, in the last five years. And what's interesting here is that we have seen China starting to emerge as uh, an increasingly important buyer uh, than they were before. China's an interesting one, of course, and we, you know, we've seen all the uh, kerfuffle over Huawei uh, throughout Europe and, and indeed the US uh, in recent months. Is there any concerns that, you know, that, that China's getting, uh, uh, want of a better word, a stake in certain parts of whatever Scandinavia and so on that maybe might cause concerns down the line? For sure. Um, the EU Commission has uh, launched an initiative for national governments uh, among the EU member states to investigate uh, legislation proposals to um, make it more difficult for foreign direct investors to, to buy stakes in or, or buy companies which have some sort of national security sensitivity. Now, this is not yet law. It, it, it's an initiative to look at the prerequisites for introducing that. Uh, but it, it is something that could most certainly create a greater threshold uh, to to trying to make acquisitions where there is some sort of national security sensitivity, uh, just like in the case of, of Huawei as a supplier to uh, telecom operators uh, within the EU or, or in the US or other, other of its allies. So uh, quite likely, if you ask me, that, that we might see more of that in, in the next few years. To, to, give, us some, to give us some context, um, how much uh, was was there, how much ch uh, Chinese buying activity was there before the great financial crisis? You mean before the global financial crisis broke out? Yeah. We don't have data going that far back, unfortunately, to be able to make a, a, a direct comparison. Um, so, but, but, but if it's some sort of feel, Martin, that you would be interested in from, from a sort of numbers point of view, if we describe it this way, the average annual deal value of M&A activity in the Nordic region, all four countries, is about 55 billion euros. And, and if you take the period that Victor mentioned uh, in the past five years, that would be something like 270 or so billion euros worth of deals done, right? And, and if the US, the UK and China are 60% of that, well, then, then you have some sort of idea of the kind of money being put to place uh, in, in these kinds of transactions. Um, so a lot. Tell me something about the difference between um, corporate and sponsor-backed uh, M&A, uh, Johan. Sure, and that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting one, uh, which I think is very good that you bring up, because obviously the two main types of players uh, being involved in buying companies would be either other companies who would make acquisitions by companies to, to grow or to get access to technology or economies of scale or synergies or whatever. And, and then you would have the other type of player, the financial sponsor, um, which would typically be a, a private equity firm buying a company because they want to improve it, to develop it, and, and, then, uh, and then exit a number of years later uh, and, and presumably get paid more than, than they paid themselves for it. Um, both types of player uh, are very important and very significant in, in the Nordic M&A arena. Uh, and the Nordic region stands out in private equity players being even more important and representing an even greater share of total M&A value than, than in Europe. So looking at last year, just as, a, as an observation, it was 29% of deal volume in Europe that was represented by private equity players. Whereas in the Nordics, uh, over time, uh, the average has been about one third of deal value. But last year, 2018, it was actually 48%, so nearly half. 
Now that can be affected of course in any given year by one or a few big deals happening in that particular year, but in a given year for the entire Nordic region, nearly half of the deal value being represented by private equity players tells you something about the importance of of that type of uh, actor in the market. Is that a trend you expect to continue? I would have thought so, given that one of the key reasons why this is the case is that we have a very well-developed and a very sizable private equity industry with players based in the Nordics or having their historical roots in the Nordics. So so looking at the size of the economies in the Nordic region, we, we have a, a bigger uh, private equity sector than, than, than other regions. Um, and, and as long as there are opportunities for them in their home market, I, I can't see why they would be less active. Um, and, and in addition, like you touched upon earlier, uh, since we have a good supply of potential targets and since we have a, a pretty uh, investor-friendly legal and, and transparency environment, uh, that would also suggest that, that this is going to be a continued fertile grind for, ground for these types of players. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on to valuations. And uh, Victor, if I could ask you, how have valuations, valuation changed over the years? So what we've done here is to look at uh, the market valuations of the listed markets in the Nordics and in Europe. And then we've also, um, relating back to what Yuan just spoke about, we've split it up into different types of M&A, you could say. So the different uh, the different uh, actors behind it. So for example, corporate M&A. We're uh, also looking at sponsor-backed M&A. Uh, but we've also tried to see if there's a difference between the valuation multiples uh, regarding public M&A versus private M&A. Uh, and what we find in general is that the Nordics are more expensive uh, than Europe, both in terms of M&A valuation, but also when we look at the listed market. Uh, and when we compare the listed market to M&A multiples, uh, we find pretty much what you would expect in that uh, M&A multiples are higher. So we find an uh, M&A bid premium, you could say. Uh, and this premium is on average 17% in Europe and 11% in the Nordics. Uh, and why it is so much higher in Europe, we don't have all the answers for, uh, but we believe one reason to be that the Nordics, uh, as I just mentioned, are more expensive uh, than Europe. And therefore, the, the M&A uh, bid premium might not be as high. And then if we look at uh, public versus uh, private M&A pr- transactions, uh, we, find, uh, we find a private or a public premium where public M&A transactions are valued at a premium to private M&A transactions. Uh, and this could be due to, to numerous factors, but for example, it could be relating to transparency uh, or liquidity, for example, uh, or it could be size or, or other type of risk factors in that public uh, companies uh, usually are more favorable uh, looking at these types of, uh, types of factors. Um, and reverting back to the discussion uh, regarding corporate versus sponsor-backed M&A, uh, in all the data that, that we have, we can't f- say that we find any significant valuation difference uh, between the two types of, of uh, M&A transactions. Is there any, any indication of, of which is more successful down the line? Uh, unfortunately, we have not had the opportunity to delve any deeper into what happens, uh, what happens in the future after the M&A transaction. And this is also an effect of, uh, of uh, what you once started out with, uh, with mentioning the, the data issues. Because a lot of these transactions are, um, or you could say this, a small amount of these transactions are f- between two public uh, enterprises. Uh, so a lot of them is, 
is from a private player buying out a, a smaller public one or public one buying a private one and incorporating this this uh, company into their own business and you know tracking down the line the the success factor in these transactions becomes quite difficult unfortunately and martin uh, another aspect is that there is a difference in 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 how you are able to measure how successful acquisitions have been made depending on if it's a private equity player or a corporate player buying another company. And if it's a private equity player, there is a very clearly defined beginning and end to a project where you buy an asset, you 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 improve it, and then you sell it on and, and you make a profit. Uh, while if you're a corporate, you would tend to buy a company and you would aim obviously to get those synergies if you have any integrated with the ongoing business. And that means that your possibility of being able to measure how it's performing will will diminish because it will be part of the total and, and, and the basis for comparison will no longer be there. So, so trying to objectively measure and calculate what kind of value has been created from buying another company by a company is is clearly very, very challenging. But but to partially answer your question, which might not be that helpful or, or useful, but I'll do it anyway, uh, looking at available external data, private equity investments into the Nordic region have been very successful and have been even generating stronger returns than private equity investments in Europe as a whole. So so from that side, it seems to have been quite successful. So if you're if you're a corporation, Johan, um, how should you approach, uh, approach uh, M&A? The aim of our report was not to try and give an answer to should you buy companies or should you not buy companies. Uh, that That's sort of beyond the scope of what we want to try and, and, and arrive at in terms of conclusions in an on your mind report. Uh, but looking at M&A conceptually, are there any conclusions to, to, to be drawn from the data we've put together and the analysis we've made uh, in terms of when you should do M&A or, or how you should do M&A or, or, or even to some extent if you should do M&A? And, and I would try and sum it up like this. Whether or not you want to buy businesses, you want to buy companies, that should not be driven by do you think the market is at a high or a low level? Do you think that the valuation multiples are at highs or at lows? The, the, the key conclusion here is that we can see that valuation multiples vary. Uh, the, the market valuation, the equity market valuation in itself has multiples which, which vary about 30% between high and low. And, and, and the various premia that Victor mentioned earlier, they also vary over time, although they are not as wide as a 30 percentage point variation it clearly will make a big difference to the final numbers for a deal made if you buy at the top or at the bottom and if you maximize a premium or minimize a premium. But the point is that what will really, really matter, what's ultimately going to decide if there is value accretion from the deal you make or not, the, the, the message from our side would be that it's good to be street smart. It's good to be aware of where are valuations, where are premia. But don't let that be the deciding factor in the decision if you're going to press the button and make a deal or not. Uh, what should decide that is your assessment of what can we do to create value from buying and owning and developing the asset. I've, I've got a final question here. We may be, well be moving into speculative territory here, but do you see anything big down the line in 2019, 2020 uh, in the Nordics area for uh, let's say our next big uh, M&A deal. Oh, that's tricky. I, 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 
the way I would try and answer Martin would be that when it comes to the overall market or overall level of activity, I, I don't see anything right now that would make me expect a different trend from what we have seen in 2018 or 17. Funding is cheap. The private equity players have plenty of capital to put to use. The corporates have low leverage. Uh, are doing overall pretty well, even if the macroeconomic prospects seem to be pointing towards an economic slowdown rather rather than continued expansion. So, so both types of players are in, in pretty good shape to do deals. So then it will more be a matter of what becomes available and, and what are the alternatives for both types of players in, 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 in using their capital. So I would expect an, another active year with what we can see right now. And then as to what company may get bought, I, I wouldn't dare to tread down that route and uh, and, and, and give you any suggestions. I'm, I'm just going to be forced to eat my words up afterwards. No, I understand. And that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, Johan, Victor, I, I think uh, I think we've explored all, all we can today. Um, so I'd just like to say thank you very much for your time today. It's been fantastic. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much, Martin. And uh, we look forward to the next edition of uh, the Nordeo On Your Mind podcast, uh, which will be coming up at the end of May. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs>